Israel approaches the city of Jericho to find a high wall and a scarlet cord hanging from a window. A scarlet cord that will mean salvation in the midst of devastation on The Bible Brief. Today is review day on The Bible Brief. If you haven't left us a five-star review on your podcast platform, will you do that today? Reviews are a key way that new people find out about the show. The severity of God's judgment is only exceeded by the boundlessness of His mercy. It's apparent on nearly every page of the Bible that humans deserve the judgment of God. Each of us has rebelled in ways similar to what we've seen from the nation of Israel. We forget the grace of God in our everyday lives. The air we breathe, water to drink, food to taste, family and friends that extend love to us. Instead of remembering these many graces from God, we often complain either with our voices or in our minds. We envy the success of others. We lash out in anger at friends. All of these sins and more are common to each of us, and surely there are sins in our minds that we wish we could forget. We deserve God's judgment, but God's mercy exceeds His judgment. In Jericho, there was a woman who perhaps understood her place before God. Her name was Rahab, and she was a Canaanite prostitute, a worshiper of those Canaanite gods who lived in her home in the wall in the city. Rahab was anything but righteous, but she soon discovered that God's mercy would exceed the judgment that she rightly deserved. There had been rumors and rumblings in the city of Jericho, news of the outside world unlike any news they had ever heard before. It was news of this nation called Israel and their God, Yahweh. News that would be unbelievable if it weren't for the many witnesses of Israel's triumphs. The people of Jericho had heard of this wandering nation coming toward Canaan, who had defeated many kings to the east of the land. And they had also heard that their God was among them, Yahweh, who had split open the Red Sea so that his people could walk through as they fled from Egypt. Jericho had heard the news. Rahab had heard the news. And then, two men with strange accents showed up at her door. Joshua had sent these two men out from the camp of Israel, specifically to view the land, and especially Jericho. Joshua needed to know the strengths and the weaknesses of the city before he would begin Israel's attack and these men were his spies to gather the necessary reconnaissance. Little did they know that as soon as they got to the city, they would be in mortal danger. We read this in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Israel sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Just as soon as these spies had arrived, news of their endeavor had reached the ears of the king of Jericho. And the fearful king, having heard of the Israelites' successful battles outside the land, aggressively searched for the two spies. And Rahab Well, she had a choice to make. Would she turn over these men to the authorities of her city, 
Or would she react in a different way? Let's keep reading. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Apparently, just before the king's servants came to find the spies, Rahab swiftly took them to her rooftop to hide them. And then she responded to the servants, sending them on a wild goose chase outside the city gates and away from the spies that they were trying to pursue. She defies the leadership of her home city in favor of hiding these Israelite spies. And it's only after she has sent the searchers away that she has a chance to explain herself to these two men. We read, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For Yahweh your God... He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by Yahweh, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house, and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the two men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Rahab is doing something extraordinary. She's casting herself on the mercy of these two strangers, and by extension, casting herself and her family on the mercy of God. She explains that she has heard all of what Yahweh has done for the nation, and all the battles won outside the land. And Rahab decides not to resist Israel, but to actively help their cause. She correctly reasoned that she would be swept away with Jericho, if she didn't do something drastic, and sets a new course for her life. She would ally with Israel and Israel's God and avoid the downfall of her home city. She had faith in Yahweh, merely from hearing of his power to save and granting success to his people. And she expressed this faith by aiding the spies in a treasonous act against her own city. And after she explains herself, the spies readily agree that her household and family will be spared from the destruction that Israel will bring upon Jericho, and they soon flee the city. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Then the two men returned. 
they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had happened. And they said to Joshua, Truly Yahweh has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. With this last comment from the spies, you can imagine Joshua's reaction. He had just heard more confirmation that the Lord was working victory for them at Jericho. He was probably brimming with confidence and thankfulness, ready to face his first battle in the war for Canaan. Jericho was fearful, rightly fearful, because Yahweh was in the midst of his people, and Yahweh would grant them victory over their enemies. But we can't make the mistake of thinking that Yahweh was beholden to the people of Israel. It was the other way around. Israel was beholden to their God. They owed him allegiance, and they owed him obedience. And few things could communicate that better than Joshua's experience as he approaches Jericho. Next, we read this in Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua has a remarkable encounter with none other than the commander of Yahweh's army. Possibly an angelic messenger appearing as a man. Possibly God himself appearing as a man, with a drawn sword in his hand. Yahweh was showing that he was indeed going to fight for Israel, and that more was going on spiritually than what could be seen with the eyes. They would get a taste of that in this battle to come. Joshua, overwhelmed with the presence of the commander of the Lord's army, is driven to worship. Surely he understood now that success in this battle ahead was written before it even took place. And then after Joshua's experience, he goes back to Israel, and altogether they approach the fortified city of Jericho, fortified and shut, impregnable by the Israelite army. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, with its king and mighty men of valor. Joshua must have been puzzled by the sight of the fortified city and hearing these words from God, saying that he'd given the city over to the Israelites. The city walls weren't going to destroy themselves, after all. But what God says next is probably even more puzzling for Joshua. God's battle plan is different than what Joshua might have been planning. God says, You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Joshua must have thought this was an odd battle plan indeed. No battering ram to knock down the city gate. No barrage of arrows over the city walls. 
No ladders to climb to breach the city. Instead, it would be walking. Walking around the city, once a day for six days. Before the final seventh day, when the army of Israel would walk around the walls seven times, before giving a hearty final trumpet blast and a shout of war. God's battle plan wasn't the most conventional. But then again, neither was that battle at the Red Sea. And so the army does what God commands, with the priests leading the army as they carry the Ark of the Covenant and blow their trumpets. Day after day. And eventually came day seven. The day of conquest. On the seventh day they rose early, at the dawn of the day, and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and the gold, and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute, and her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Through this army of Israel, God carried out his righteous judgment on the people of Jericho. This pagan city with their false gods would be no more. The first conquest in the war for Canaan was complete. But God's mercy exceeded his judgment. While his command was to decimate all the people, his mercy fell upon the household of the prostitute Rahab. Mercy that was born not out of randomness, but out of faith. After all, Every person in Jericho had had the chance to respond to the news of Yahweh that they had heard. They could have laid down their arms, opened the gates, and cast themselves upon the mercy of God. But it was only Rahab, only the looked-down-upon prostitute living in the city wall, who received the mercy of God. She received mercy because she acted in faith. By sheltering the two spies and providing them escape, she had shown her allegiance was not to those Canaanite gods, but to Yahweh, the one true God. And this woman, who was deserving of judgment, became the object of God's mercy. Mercy that didn't just extend to her, but to her whole family. The judgment of God is severe. But when we open the door to God in faith and act upon His promises, His judgment turns away to be replaced with mercy and salvation. Rahab experienced the great mercy of God upon all her household for her courageous faith. She learned that even in the midst of judgment, God's mercy shines through on all those who believe in Him. God's love isn't reserved for just the physical offspring of Abraham. 
know it's a love that extends even to the Canaanite prostitute living in the wall of the city. It's a love offering mercy to any who will trust in Him alone. Join us next time as the army of Israel moves to the next city in their war for Canaan, a little city that puts up a big fight. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.